and we are live from America and just outside New Matrix. It's time once again for the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm investigative journalist Lisa Ranahan, and it's Carmine Mundy on the backstory. As I said, it's Carmine Mundy, Carmine Sapiens co-hosting the show. I understand he's online. How are you doing, Carmine? It's just another Carmine Monday. Go ahead. That's it. That's the whole song. Okay, that's good. That's the words I got, man. Carmine Monday is back. Carmine Sabia, great to have you on the line. How you been, brother? Oh, man, it's great to have you back, brother. How have you been? How you feeling? I've been better. That's my standard answer when anyone asks. I've been better. That's all I can say. I've been yeah, worse. Yeah. I suppose I've been worse, but I definitely have been better and doing okay, but excited to be here. And we have a great show today. In the first hour, could not be more thrilled to have Scott Ritter on with us, former Marine, UN's weapons inspector, all round weapons expert, the one who called this invasion properly from the start. And we'll be talking about this new, you've heard about VUCA, right, Carmine? Yes. And so, Carmine, we have Scott Ritter on to talk about that. And I know what he's going to say since so some of his injuries. I'm really looking forward to this. I've looked a lot. Have you looked into this at all? I mean, unfortunately, just the mainstream uh, media, but it, it looks pretty horrible. It, it, it looks pretty horrible. And I want to emphasize that. We'll talk about that because the proof is all in pictures. But the problem with pictures is they show you, if you see a picture of a body on the ground, it doesn't tell you who shot it, does it? Well, of course not, but I mean. Well, well, I think I. Let's start the show and then we'll. <laughs> yeah, so let's start to look into this because Scott's made a great point. I've heard, as I say, other interviews with him on this. Here's what's going on. Well, we'll talk about it. Let's intro the show first. In the second hour, Tyler Nixon joining us. And a lot to talk to Carmine about, too, on the backstory. Okay, so let's talk about this Buka thing. Buka is a suburb of Kiev, uh, right outside Kiev. And what happened was, let me tell you how I first heard about this. I was on Twitter, and you know how Ali Velshi is, Carmine. Does that name ring a bell? Ali yes. Velshi, famous yes. MVC host. Yes. So he's the first person I said that saw talk about this. And he said, wait till you see this story that's about to come out. So he didn't say it had come out yet. He said he'd seen pictures. And one other news reporter from CBS, I believe, admitted that this story is being spread by, quote, the Zelensky team. So it's coming straight from the Zelensky team, which doesn't mean it's false, but it's telling. No, it is being, it is being spread by the Zelensky team, but again, that, that doesn't mean it's false. Right. But he got it early which meant they were ginning up. And here's what bothers me. 
the Zelensky team are known liars. They've shown us, remember Snake Island? Remember the ghost of Kiev? Remember all, all these stories that were, and why does the Zelensky team lie? We know why. The Zelensky team wants more support from NATO and more weapons, right? Every time they've lied, it always comes with, oh, here's a lie. By the way, send weapons. Here's what I'm scared of. And I don't, I'm going to go under the pretense that Russian troops killed these people in what can only be described as an atrocity. I'm going to go under that because that's the word right now. That's all I know. And I, I, yeah. I, I don't think the Ukrainian people would be silent if it was Ukrainian shooting them. Although, how would they know? Do you dress them up like Russians? I mean, it's possible. Believe me, I don't put nothing past any government in this world. But I also know a sales pitch when I see one. Here's my concern. My concern is images like this as they start flooding the media. You get people in the United States, England, Germany, France, the citizens to go, we got to go in there. You build up a rallying cry from the populace for war, which precedes every war. Before every war, there is that buildup where you get the popular sentiment of the people behind the war. These images would absolutely serve that purpose. And so I hearken back to not just Ukraine, but things like the Gulf of Tonkin, Pearl Harbor. These are things that got people Syria, like Syria. More recently, Syria. Correct. So in that respect, that scares the heck out of me. It, it, it very much frightens me because you see it happening almost in real time and you're like, oh, no. I, I, it seems to me like, bro, now you got mainstream journalists actually saying we got to go in. Okay. And right. That's what Ali Belshi said, by the way. He the, said. You talked to him personally? Is that did you did you talk to him personally, Lee? No, I saw it on Twitter. He had an exchange with Aaron Mate. And Mate said, What are you suggesting? And he said, direct military action. And that's World War Three. I mean that's World War Three. You are suggesting World War Three. I, I just, you know, I mean, here's the thing that I'm struggling with, Lee. I'm looking at the images. I'm hearing what the media is saying. I don't want to not believe my country's intelligence agencies. I don't want to not believe the intelligence agencies of the world. But the only thing I keep thinking is, I mean, Vladimir Putin's been in power a long time. He's never been a crazy genocidal maniac before. All of a sudden, something happened, and now he wants to go and commit atrocities. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know. I'm not I'm not absolving him. I'm not saying Russia didn't do this. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying I got a lot of questions that need answers. And you're smart to have a lot of questions. And what we're going to do, I've got to go to the calls because we have a lot of callers on, which is great. But Scott Ritter, we're going to go over the evidence. For instance, you don't like to disbelieve your government. I understand that. How about the Pentagon? Do you like to believe them? The Pentagon has said they've seen no independent corroboration of these claims by Ukraine. Oh wow, that was in that was in no Russian propaganda outlet. Although it begins with an R, so you know the suspect. Reuters, Reuters reported this morning, the Pentagon 
has come out with a statement that they've seen no independent corroboration, which means they've seen pictures. And when the and this is after Biden called Putin a war criminal. So Rex, Biden's saying things, and if the if our government agencies are saying we don't know yet, and Biden's actually de- making declarations like that, that's very dangerous. Right. And it's 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 more dangerous, let me point out, that they're saying we don't have any independent cooperation, but they go on to say we have no reason not to believe it. That's not really a standard you should use. You know what I'm saying? That worries me that their standard of proof is, well, it could be true. That's what they're saying. But they've seen no independent cooperation. And we'll talk about the other evidence, and there's lots of it. I think by the time we get through with this, by the time we talk to Scott, and feel free your the goals, ask many questions you want. Uh, I know you will anyway. But <laughs> no, no, because that's one of the good thing about you. I is I view you as an independent voice on this, who is just going to call as he sees it. The other day, I was and tempted I, to tweet something. I was tempted to tweet something. I'm not going to say what it was. It was after the images first came out, and I was very emotional. So I just took a break from Twitter for a half hour. I sat back. I had a drink, and. Uh, and I, you know, not, not, a, not just, just a Coca-Cola. I don't drink. Had a drink. And, um, I was like, you know what? Something's off here. That that's a good, good instinct on your, on your part. So let me get the call. Show two, five, two, one, 13, 20 owl killer. What's on your mind? I, I guess you guys didn't see the uh, video of the uh, the supposed dead bodies getting up and moving their arms and standing up as soon as the uh, the trucks pass them. Th- that that was just on Bandai video um, today. So uh, let me point out let me point out that that moving corpses thing. There's a guy Gonzalo Lira, and I like Gonzalo Lira quite a bit. Gonzalo Lira did a video on Buka, and he analyzed the videos. And he says that's a, a incorrect claim. It was caused by refraction by uh, a drop of rain going across. It made it look as though there's something going on. But I reject uh, because Gonzalo ultimately decided and staked his reputation that this is a false story. Buka is false. It's a false flag. But he said that specific point. So I'm not going to, I'm not advancing the argument that the moving corpses shows anything because apparently it's just an optical illusion. Does that make sense? So I think it's false, but not for that reason. Okay. Well, regardless if it was, whether the Russians did it or the Ukrainians did it, you know, at the end of the day, it's for, I'm not trying to downplay the the death. It's 400 and something people. We just killed 10 people with a drone strike. That was a, in response to the, uh, the, the issue in uh, Afghanistan when we were leaving. So unfortunately civilians get killed. You know, it, it just seems like this same way with the, the, 
false chemical uh, gas stacking. It's we it's a lot of civilians here, though, Al. It's a lot of civilians here. And, and I'm going to say, let me put put out this theory that the civilian deaths were caused by the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians who proven that they're murderous bastards. The Ukrainians who killed civilians constantly and cruelly killed civilians. There's ample reason to believe that I'm going to say, I'm going to go out, not just that this is an accident, that these civilians were killed. And possibly because there's they're wearing these white armbands at some points. And that was the symbol that they were Russian sympathetic civilians. I, I just I just get I find it very interesting what civilians count and what civilians don't because clearly the uh, Yemeni civilians don't count, the Ethiopian civilians don't count. Uh, I've made this argument too, Al. I've made this argument too. If it's really about war crimes and atrocities and and whatnot, I mean Ethiopia, Yemen, you're saying them. Where are we on these issues? Why is why is remember uh, I was saying the other day, uh, Lee, before you went to the hospital. Actually, I think you uh, you retweeted it, but I said, "What makes Ukraine so special?" Because there's horrors going on all over the world. So something something is very. I, I noticed, that, you know, this story covers up the bio uh, research that was being done in Ukraine. All of a sudden, that's out of the news. You know, that Metabiota company, I noticed a name, uh, Nathan Wolf, who just so ha- that was that's in business with Hunter Biden, just so happens to be in business with Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein as well. I, I believe was named a beneficiary to Epstein's trust when he uh, passed away. Something in Ukraine, and I think that's why the, I think Trump was onto something in Ukraine, and that's why he had to be impeached over it. There's something going on over there that, Nobody is allowed to know what's going on. It seems to be this no man's land where you can pretty much do anything you want and get away with it. And you can pretty much it, it's a money. It's one big money laundering operation outside of there. Well, Al Killer, great call. I got to move on because we got so many calls. But I will disagree on one thing. Trump was not onto anything. Trump is clueless. Trump is a rube. Trump was suckered by people. He never Ukraine tried to interfere in the 2016 election. I've shown that for years. Clearly, the impeachment, both impeachments, had Ukraine directly at the center of it. But Trump is not, he has no clue. If he did, he would have done something about Ukraine when he was president. No, it's he not doesn't enough. Have idea what's going on there. No, I agree with that 100%. I, I, I think that, I don't, you know, I, I love, you know, I'm, I'm a much Trump fan, but Trump doesn't really care about too much as further than how it affects him. And and part of part of what I disagree is that the Trump Tower meeting, Trump Tower meeting was about the Magnitsky Act. Trump had a chance to call it out. Now, next the next caller is someone who knows quite a bit about the Magnitsky Act, Bill Bobber, Bill Browder. Although I'm sure she's not calling about that. Let's go to our friend Millie in Texas. Hey, Millie, what's on your mind? Hi, guys. I just want to say if anybody knows what's going on in Ukraine, it's definitely Natalie Jarosko. She worked under uh, Jack Lou. Is that right? Jack Lou in the Treasury Department? Is that his name? Jack Lou? I'm not sure. Okay. Well, uh, Lou, 
in charge of the Treasury Department. What I found out through the uh, Natalie Mayflower Sowers Edwards, the uh, whistleblower in the Treasury case, was that she was focused on these stars. So what I figured out is that they're definitely leaking to this ICIJ, the information, but it seems to be a blackmail network, and they are plucking Bill Browder's crimes out of that network. Uh, the, the, the issue with Zelensky, I think, could easily be solved with drone cameras, which, if you can recall, that's the reason why we are charging Julian Assange right now with crimes, because he actually videotaped. It was not a question of who did the crime. It is not a question what journalist suffered that crime and that Julian Assange documented it very well to the point where no government could argue the fact that journalism was being assassinated. So I'm going to say for everyone that's questioning or wondering what's going on with the money, with the crimes, with the war crimes, let's go ahead and look at what kind of bids Natalie Carrasco had in place and decided that she wanted to exclusively assign these bids without Ukrainians knowing. That's the reason why they're so poor, because they never got the money. And I want to know exactly what happened with Bill Browder, because from what I can tell, his record, his history since Russia, IMF loan from the 1990s, overlaps a lot of money laundering that was missing from Edmund Safra's bank account. Lucy Komisar covered this. It was very clear that it was Bill Browder that had tons of money laundering, the money that was not accounted for before he decided to be a quote-unquote visitor of Russia for a decade. He didn't want to be a, an actual uh, you know, resident of anyone. He wanted to avoid his paying taxes in the U.S. He decided that that was to his benefit, and now he's in control of our U.S. sanctions, making sure that his foes are protected, and it's got to stop. He's in charge of the, the FAR department. He's been weaponizing the FAR department against our U.S. generals, and it's got to stop. It's definitely Bill Browder. It is definitely Hermitage Capital. It is definitely HSBC, and HSBC is the king pin of all of this within the DOJ, and they need to own up with it in the Republican Party. Am I clear? I get yeah, Millie. I, I got to talk to you about this offline. We're planning on getting Lucy Commissar back on the show soon to reset some of the Browder stuff. I think you're bringing up some very important points. Thanks for the call. 202-521-1320. Tarif, what is on your mind? Thank you for taking my call. I have, uh, first, I'd like to say free doing sounds. I have two things i like to say. Uh, the first thing is dealing with the, uh, the Bachi incident. Ukraine, a Ukrainian MP, Inya Kava, said that um, Pepe Escobar confirmed the story, said that um, Bachi was prepared by the SBU and planned, and also planned by the MI6. That's what Pepe Escobar said. And they have a guy with a picture on another tweet. I think it might be the MP um, guy, Ivy Kava, is talking about the story. I'm going to send that to you, um, Lee, to, in your inbox. My second comment. Yeah, please do. My second comment is dealing with the plant, the the Azov stall onion plant that's in Murrapool. 
is owned by the richest person in um, Ukraine or the second richest. His name his name is um I got his last name is um Akhmetov, right? Not only owns that company, the the metal that um steel plant, he owns bio. I mean, excuse me, Meta Biota as well. Now the steel plant. Why is it so important? Well, Papi Escobar writes, it was built in the Soviet times, right? It's eight floors down. Azov Battalion, other specialists is in that plant, dug deep in that ground, right? Well, they might. It's rumored. I'm saying it is rumored. This is Papa Evans also saying. It's rumored that experiments, illegal experiments, was taking place in there. They think they might have hidden biolab in there, right? And also their richest man in Ukraine, Akhmetov, might be um, connected to it. So once they get them foreign uh, mercenaries from out there, which they're being held hostages by the heirs of the town. Once they get them out the Texas, dig them out. And if the equipment not destroyed, then the US, um, if it's true, they're going to bring all that up to the UN in the coming months a year. Thank you, Lee, for taking my call. I'm going to send that to you, too, if you want. Yeah, yeah please do. Sharif, great call as usual. I must say, the UN has become essentially a PR arm for the, whatever propaganda the West wants to push. So they're going in front of the Human Rights Commission at the UN with this story. Russia is going to them saying, no, we want to talk about this. We want to find out who's behind Buka. I don't think they'd say that were they not be, if they were behind it. But I do not believe they're going to get anything out of the UN. The UN essentially is a rubber stamp on whatever propaganda the U.S. says. Now, who, who we got next? Uh, Command Central. Brave? Okay. Let's quickly go to, because uh, I want to make sure we get all the calls in, and then we'll go back to you, Carmine. Yes, sir. Brave from Atlanta. What is on your mind? Hey, Lee, glad to see you doing doing better, or at least you're on the road to mending, man. Um, I, I, I wanted to comment really quickly. Uh, I, I sent this article out to a few people, including uh, Fault Lines. Everyone keeps talking about the PR, the possible PR, and the whatever's going on with the PR. Uh, Mint Press News, March 22nd, released an article um, uh, going into the, uh, the the PR campaign um, from from that. But I, I uh, sent this to your to your uh, Twitter inbox. But um, according to anonymous figure, more than 150 public relations firms have joined the propaganda blitz. The international effort is spearheaded by public relations firm PR Network co-founder Nikki Regazzoni and France and uh, Francis Groom. And, and it goes into um, it goes into the entire campaign as being launched to shut out uh, outside media sources, independent media sources. It goes into to naming the um, different intelligence agencies and PR firms that are working with Ukraine to do the propaganda blitz that we are all kind of suffering through right now. So uh, I, I I personally I mean I've read the article so I understand so I I. I I see, I, I see what's going on, and I put two and two together easily, right? But I keep hearing uh, on a lot of, um, I keep hearing on a lot of outlets like uh, questioning or not sure or some kind of naivete concerning whether or not there is a, a major concerted effort that's being put forth to propagandize. That's not just in the conspiracy sense, but 
an actual effort. And again, this article goes all through it. There's even a link to uh, PR Week. Um, they have the press kit, which gives direction and guidance on how to respond to certain things and what organizations to go after and all of that in the article. And I, I just hope that more people will go and read this article. The only um, outlet I've heard cover this is um, the No Agenda podcast with Dr. Uh, with Dr. Dvorak. So please, I'm just saying you guys should check it out. You should definitely check it out and um, be informed. Great call, Brave. Now, I, I, I'm going to guess here. Watch, because I, I, I know Carmine, and I know co what Carmine knows. I'm going to guess that the PR campaign, I'm going to guess that Zelensky being on the Grammys last night did not sway Carmine very much at all. In fact, <laughs> they had Grammys last night? I <laughs> yes. You didn't see this? No, I don't so, care. Zelensky was on the Grammys last night. And I know Carmine, and I think he's very, uh, re he represents a lot of people. When you hear Zelensky was on the Grammys, that makes you, I think, more question the narrative. Propaganda. Of, propaganda. Right? Right. And so that's why I think the PR agencies being involved in propaganda, as Brave pointed out, and let's not let's not forget the fact that Zelensky is a trained and quite accomplished actor. You know, I mean, they got the right front man for this thing, and and I, yes. I fear that I fear that this comedian, this this basically Borat, is going to drag the world into World War Three. And do you think they've overplayed their hand when they're putting Zelensky on the Grammys? Who was who's convinced of that? Who was holding out? What, what I'm saying is, is there somebody who's like, I'm not sure about this Ukraine war, but oh, he's on the Grammys. Now I'm convinced. Young people. Who is that person? Young people, young, easily swayed people. Are they really convinced though? The question is, are you going to take a generation? Usually the young generation is the anti-war generation. Are you going to turn the young generation to the pro-war generation? Is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't know if they're convinced, man. I, I don't, you know, it's not my demographic, you know, but I hear people that are close to me, people that are in our circle um, that were anti, you know, we, you know, look, we can't get involved here. And as more stuff happens, they start to, to shift their, 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 I groundswell of support for war. Now we got Scott Ritter coming up right after this break, but in a half hour, you and I are going to talk about Sarah Palin running, and we'll see what you think of that, Carmen. I'm just warning you, Sarah Palin's on the agenda. So let's take a short break. When we come back, Scott Ritter will talk about the Bouquet incident on the backstory. back and on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. on a Carmine Monday. Carmine Sabia joining us as co-host. 
entire show. Our next guest on the backstory is the great UN weapons inspector, former Marine analyst, writer, Scott Ritter. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Hey, Scott. Doing good, thanks. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Personally, I've been better, but that's okay. Because I'm here and I'm happy. I'm, I'm just not talking as smoothly as I'd like, but, you know. We get there, brother. We're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. I. They tell me that talking is the best thing I can do. Probably. So that's what they're saying. Because you have to rebuild connections. Basically, what happens is after the stroke, uh, my brain forgot how to move my tongue. If that makes sense. That could hurt a lot of th- that could hurt a lot of things, Lee. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Ask my girlfriend. So <laughs> I appreciate you going there, Carmine. But Always. Scott, you have been uh, absolutely bold on this Buka story. Now, do you think this one is a close call? Like they have a good case at all? Well, they have, Scott. They haven't made a good. They haven't made a good case yet. I mean, they. You know, we we have a situation where the Ukrainian government has been engaged in an information warfare campaign from day one, and virtually every allegation they've made, every fantastic story they've made, has been shown to be exaggerated or just outright false. So, just on their track record alone, now they they you know march out this Bucha uh, accusation and. Um, I, you know, I have to say, well, I'm going to put that one on the back burner until I get more data. I mean, is it possible that the Russians committed an atrocity of this nature? Yes, anything's possible in war. Has Ukraine made the case uh, sufficient enough for the president of the United States to stand before the public and accuse uh, Vladimir Putin of a war crime in Bucha? No. Fact is, the Department of Defense is backing away from this uh, as rapidly as it can, saying we have no information that corroborates uh, the Ukrainian government's position at this time. Even when uh, Ned Price, uh, you know, the national, the, the the spokesperson for the State Department, got up and gave his briefing today, uh, or I think his spokesperson for the the State Department or the uh, the um, National Security Council, I'm not quite sure, but he gave a briefing today where, you know. He was full of, you know, bluster and rhetoric and all, but no facts. Fact is, he, he didn't have any facts to, to, to add to it. He said, uh, you know, we're in the process of investigating. So if you're in the process of investigating, what homicide detective in the middle of a criminal investigation comes out and gives a press conference where he says, I know who did it and he's guilty? Not a single one. Not a single one. And yet that's what's happening here is everybody's proclaiming guilt. And it makes me wonder why, why the rush? I mean, if you've got the Russians by the short hairs, you don't need to scream right now. The time comes when you got your case and you make your case and you get the indictments and you get the arrest warrants and you start rounding them up. Right now, it seems very much like it's a simple propaganda exercise. And that's my concern, is that we're being played by the Ukrainians once again to shape an environment at a time when they're being defeated on the battlefield in decisive fashion. 
I mean, they aren't winning a single battle nowadays. I mean, they had a couple of helicopters go over and shoot up some uh, civilian uh, oil oil tank, you know, oil oil storage facilities in uh, Belgrade. That's it. They haven't won anything. They're getting annihilated. They're surrendering in mass. Uh, the great pincers about to shut down. Even the again, that price had to say, "Hey, this battle is pretty much over, man. We know what the Russians are going to do, and there's really nothing that's going to stop them from doing it." So, in the midst of all this. Uh, one would think that maybe the Western powers might want to slow down the transfer of hundreds of millions of dollars of a military equipment to Ukraine because it's simply going to end up in the inventory of the Russians at this stage. Or you, if you're the Ukrainians, you create a new scandal, a, a, a new outrage that gets the world so angry they keep the military aid coming. And I think that's what's going on here. Now, I'm going to pull back and I'm going to just say, I don't know because, frankly, no one knows uh, that that it has that wasn't directly involved in you know in in what led to this outrage. Uh, whether it's you know what I think it is, which is the Ukrainian national police uh, killing collaborators or people believed to have collaborated with the Russians, or what the Ukrainians say, which is uh, you know enraged Russian soldiers committing one last act of violence on their way out of uh, Bucha. We don't know. And so we have to serve judgment and we, we have to wait for the investigation to be done. Okay. But I saw an appearance you did on RT about this, and you made a great point in that appearance. When they put forward pictures, that's some evidence. Some people say, well, we are not going to get any evidence. That's not true. Let's go over some pieces of evidence here. Their bodies, clearly. No one disputes that. There are bodies. There can be forensic investigation of those bodies that would determine when they are killed, right? And the fact that they haven't presented any forensic evidence at all is telling. Do you not agree? More than that, I mean, first of all, again, I don't know. I cannot say conclusively that uh, the Ukrainians didn't go in with a crime, a crime processing team that preserved the evidence and perfectly carried out, you know, the kind of um, forensic investigation that would hold up in court. Um, maybe they did, but if they if they did, then they're holding on to that data. They're not sharing that data. But it it appears as if they came running through, you know, took some pictures. Um, and then allowed you know allowed foreign press to come in and w- trample the crime scene. Uh, the bodies appear to have been moved, uh, which is again tampering the crime scene. Um, and so I, I don't think there can be a solid forensic investigation because what what should have happened is you take the bodies where they are, you um, you, you do three things, just three simple points. One, um, when did they die? And you know you can you can you can do an autopsy on the body. Uh, how did they die? Uh, was it a bullet wound to the head, artillery, uh, et cetera? And um, you know time of death. Uh, you know that's when did they? I mean, uh, was the body moved? I mean, you know, was the body was somebody saying that they you know some of the bodies appear to be similar to Ukrainians that were lined up against the wall, accused of collaboration. Were they shot there and then dumped on the street, or were they? Did they die in place? These are things that a simple forensic investigation can find out. This is basic, 
you know, police 101 crime scene processing. There's nothing sexy about it. There's nothing, you know, that, that that's outrageous about it. It's just simple crime scene processing. And um, one would think that that would need to be done before you're going to shout accusations. Uh, you know, I need the name of a victim. I need to know, you know, when did this victim die? How did they die? Did they die here? Uh, that data is not being provided, and it could be. And as you said, this raises raises questions. Why aren't they telling us this information? Now, let's also point out the timeline, because there's significant questions about the timeline. The Russians were in, in Buka, and they pulled out March 31st. And that's confirmed by the mayor, the Ukrainian mayor of the town, who on the first said the Russians had pulled out, said they were completely gone, but made no mention of the bodies lying in the streets. On the second, no mention was made of bodies. On the third, no mention was made of the bodies. Now, again, I'm going to point out that what we're seeing in the pictures is bodies laying in the street, right? That's not the kind of thing you miss for three days, is it? It's the kind of thing that you think would be obvious. Why didn't they get mentioned until four days later? After, by the way, and uh, according to the timeline, after Ukraine had shelled that area. And am I correct about the timeline? So you, you had the timeline. Down. The New York Times just published a very interesting story where they uh, it claimed that they and they and they published the photographs and they show timeline a time lapse uh, satellite imagery uh, that you know suggests that some of these bodies could have been there since March 19th, um, you know, so that predates the Russian withdrawal. But that also makes an interesting point because the street in question actually lies in a uh, what 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 amounts to a a. a, a, a no man's land in between the Russians and the Ukrainians uh, that actually separate um, the Bucha from, um, I think it's uh, Irpin or uh, the, uh, another northern Kiev suburb that was hotly contested. And so, you know, one one question that comes from this is who was in control of this street? And if it was no man's land, is it possible that these people with their white armbands were Russians trying to flee the Ukrainians? make it to the Russian line so they could be evacuated and were gunned down by uh, by the Ukrainians. Um, there's just a lot of questions here. Um, I, I sometimes say that the Russians are extraordinarily sloppy. I don't accuse them of lying. But, you know, the time that that timeline outline um, came from a uh, a, a Western um, news or, uh, you know, independent media source. Uh, and then was repeated verbatim by the Russians. So sometimes I'm afraid that the Russians take the shortcut and uh, and do cut and paste, um, only to find out that maybe they should have done their own work because you know the Russians have the imagery. The you know it, it, if they went back, they could have you know reconstructed this in a way that um, would have had them looking a little bit more competent than what they are. Again, I don't think the Russians killed these people. I think the Ukrainians killed these people, um, and I think that ultimately the, the the data will will sustain this. But you know, the Russians are losing the information warfare battle. They're losing this battle, the, and 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 with that comes you know uh, the 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 public relations aspect. And I don't think the generals really care. But 
you know, the, the, the thing is, Zelensky does get a political boost the longer this story uh, is out there and the longer Zelensky is able to spin this story um, in a way that makes like the Russians carried out this crime. Um, you know, I, I well, I've, believe eventually. I'd like to get a question in here. I'd like to get a question here real quick. You said before about military aid and keep the military aid coming. And I think I have a difference of opinion with you, maybe, but I want your opinion on this. I believe the end game for Zelensky is to get NATO into the war. I think that's what this is about. Do you disagree with that? Do you think it's just about getting the weapons? Well, I know Zelensky would like NATO to get in the war. I think NATO has made a uh, a, a, a sound um, decision based upon solid uh, analysis that uh, would suicidal. So I don't think NATO wants in this war. Do you think they would stay out of it even with a groundswell of public support? Absolutely, because at the end of the day, it's nuclear weapons. Uh, it's a, it's the 200,000 degree Fahrenheit suntan that nobody wants and everybody will get. So, you know, NATO, they, they've made it clear that they won't budge from that. Now, I mean, I said they made it clear. You never know. But, you know, I, I will say this in Germany right now, in order for NATO to get in, you need unanimous uh, decision. One, Hungary will never go for it. Bulgaria is not going to go for it. Correct. Um, Slovakia is not going to go for it. Turkey's not going to go for it. Germany's not going to go for it because their economy is shutting down right now. They have greater things to worry about than, um, you know, whether or not Poland is upset because they have another million refugees coming across the border. Um, the Poles and the Balts, uh, the Baltic states, uh, I do believe they, they are of a mind that, that they'd rather fight the Russians there than, from their perspective, wait till the Russians come to them, although I don't believe the Russians are coming to them. But there's no, uh, there's no y- unity uh, in NATO on on uh, getting involved in Ukraine. Therefore, it's it's literally a moot point because without unanimous consent, it just isn't going to happen. Well, since you mentioned Germany, did you guys see the car rally? 5,000 people or so on the streets of Germany yesterday, pro-Russian? No. Did you see that? Yeah, 5,000 5, cars going around the uh, outer ring of Berlin, circling Berlin, honking their horns, waving Russian flags, et cetera. Yeah, I saw that. And 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 Carmine didn't, and he watches the news. I'm saying that story was buried by the Western press, and I think you can see why. It shows 5,000 cars, so it, however many people it represents, pro-Russian in this environment. I think the there is, I've noticed this, there is a significant I'm not going to say how significant, but part of the propaganda effort is to convince people that there's no one who likes Russia. And in fact, there are people who are in favor of Russia. Even in Germany, they're not happy with this. And even in Germany, they're coming out and protesting in support of Russians. Right? Do you you agree with that, Scott? I agree, and I'll I'll even take it a step uh, further. Prior to Russia's um, incursion or preparation for an incursion into Ukraine, um, Zelensky was a failed president. He was at 23% support and dropping. Um, In order to stay in power, uh, he had to, A, arrest all of his political opponents, B, shut down all 
political opposition media and C, made common cause with the neo-Nazis who then provided him with political muscle to, uh, to stay in. He was deeply unpopular. He was the president of a failed state uh, whose economy was tanking. Uh, you know, he was desperate to get billions of dollars of loans just to keep his entire economy from defaulting. Um, that's the reality. He was not well-respected anywhere in the world, not respected in his country. And, and he was mocked, uh, belittled, whatever. And then the Russians invade, and thanks to a very sophisticated information warfare operation run by the Ukrainian Ministry of, uh, of Information, uh, with able assistance, I believe, from the CIA and British MI6, um, they put together one of the greatest PR campaigns the world has ever seen, and they've suddenly transformed this failed, pathetic loser of a politician into a Winston Churchill-type figure. The problem is, that's all fake. That's smoke and mirrors, man. The reality is Zelensky is that very same failed politician. And we here in America and, and are looking at the media and we're buying into the notion of this, 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 this Churchill, this you know, modern King Leonidas with the 300 standing up against the immortals. When in Europe, they know the truth. He's a pathetic loser who is, was governing one of the most pathetic loser countries in all of Europe. And just because the Russians invaded this pathetic loser country doesn't suddenly make it, you know, the gym of Europe. Uh, you know, you, 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 you can't put that much lipstick on that pig. It just isn't going to work. And I want to point out one other thing here. There's, there's maybe multiple motivations for doing this false flag attack and, and Buka and, and saying that these atrocities happen immediately prior to the reports of this, you know, what they're calling the massacre of Buka. Ukraine passed a law making it illegal to film on the battlefield and publish film on the battlefield. Now, Scott, you know about that. Why did it, why did it, what prompted Ukrainians, the parliament, to go ahead and make it illegal to publish films from the battlefield. What 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 was their motivation? Well, the main motivation is that's horrific operational security. And at a time when uh, the Russians are literally destroying the entire military infrastructure of Ukraine, um, and one of the ways that they do this is to collect cell phone usage, uh, get the IP address, uh, use their sexy little electronic warfare toys to identify the user and geolocate the user and then kill the user by putting a precision guided munition there. Um, I, I think they, the Ukrainians have suffered horrific losses. I mean, they, it, when, the, when the truth comes out about what has happened to the Ukrainian military and just how they've been butchered and slaughtered and annihilated, um, you know, the West is going to go, whoa, that's, uh, <laughs> that's something else. But you know, in addition to their normal intelligence, the Russians have been very good at uh, exploiting the cell phone usage of not just the Ukrainian military, um, but also civilians that live in areas that, um, that, that, that you know, the military operates in. And I believe, you know, one of the cases that led the parliament to, to push this was, you know, a child who, uh, who actually filmed a uh, – and, and, and the other thing is the Russians were also uh, putting a, 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 you know, social media ads out there saying – if you uh, if you film this and upload your video to this, you'll get money. 
So the Russian intelligence was exploiting this. So they shut it down. And I think the other reason why they're going to shut it down is um, Azov was, um, was, was publishing stuff that just was flagrant war crimes, flagrant war crimes. And um, I think the Ukrainians started to realize, look, when, when CNN and the New York Times— you're talking, about the, you're talking about the kneecapping videos, for instance. The Russian soldiers tortured and shot in the knees, screaming and being killed, published by Ukraine, right? Correct. And I think uh, that, you know, the, the Ukrainians understood they had this great PR campaign going, and all of a sudden— there's a giant buzz kill because even CNN has to say, whoa, there's this video of guys kneecapping Russian soldiers. That's problematic. And I think uh, they said we need to get control over uh, these videos, this information. So no, nobody gets to publish anything. Every piece of information will come out of the Ministry of uh, Information. And we'll be talking about this to Carmine next hour. But I think the other thing that may have been prompting this is we had the Washington Post and the New York Times and CNN reporting about the Hunter Biden laptop. There's a drumbeat of gathering of information about the Biden laptop and very bad information for the Biden administration. And I think it's another thing, that's another story that they want to make go away. So I think there are multiple stories that this uh, PR move, this wipes a number of stories off, even normal stuff like the bad economy or, you know, and so on. But I think that the Hunter Biden laptop story was another factor in possibly prompting this false flag. Yeah, look, the you know, the Ukrainians can come out with any story they want. They they tend to throw a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in the air and some of it sticks. Um, the, the, the reason why I think you're, you're onto something here is what the president of the United States did. The fact that Joe Biden, uh, at a press conference cited Bucha as the reason why he's now calling for Putin to be at the Hague. Uh, you know, he's a war criminal and all this stuff. When the department of defense saying we can't corroborate anything on that tape, man, we, we, we're not there. The president went way ahead of everybody which is why Ned Price is out there playing catch-up, and I'm sure Jan Psaki will be out playing catch-up and everybody playing catch-up, trying to clean up this mess. But the president is doing everything in his power to blow this story out of every possible proportion, uh, as you said, to push everything else off of the news cycle. And, um, you know, I, I, it might work in the short term, but I, I think you're, you're, you're right. In the long term, um, you, can't make certain, you can't make fact go away by... Uh, promulgating fiction. Now, Carmine, do you have any other questions for Scott Ritter? Um, you talked about NATO not going in, but I still, I, I have concerns. I have concerns that the United States, the UK will go in at some point. I, I, I There's something weird about this, man, because do you think that our government doesn't know the things you're saying, the things we're talking about here? You think they don't know that Zelensky is an actor and Ukraine is corrupt? I mean, Something else is going on here, man. I just well, I mean, and 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 what a coincidence that it's it's the Ukraine that was so connected to the Biden family. If any president has a reason to go in and destroy the evidence, you know what I'm saying? Are you how confident are you that we're we're not going to get in a shooting war with Russia? Is my question. First of all, we're already in 
of a shooting war with Russia. Um, and what I mean by that is by proxy. There's some story. There's some story. Well, we got by proxy, but there's some stories out there from highly credible sources that suggest that um, both the CIA and Joint Special Operations Command operating under uh, Title Ten, which makes them a deniable operation. We have teams already in Ukraine, uh, primarily uh, doing the uh, advanced force operation work um, for the covert supply of uh, of equipment to to the Ukrainian military, but also um, doing the uh, strategic reconnaissance uh, for any potential um, future operation. Now, most of the time, this is just um, you know work that's done uh, and, and gets filed away and never used. But in, you know, in a situation like this, when I say NATO won't get involved, that doesn't mean that countries that are part of NATO won't get involved. It's very- that's my question. That that. The United Kingdom, the United States, uh, although it's unlikely the United States, but the United Kingdom, Poland, and some others uh, could use authorities um, that are outside of NATO to create a humanitarian buffer zone, things of that nature. Uh, so NATO NATO members operating in a non-NATO mode could definitely uh, get involved. But again, I, I think it would be the shortest-lived intervention in the history of short-lived interventions. Uh, because the Russians just aren't in the mood to play around, and the amount of power that would have to be brought to bear instantaneously to shut down Russian air defenses, to clear Russian aircraft, and to dominate the Russian uh, army on the ground is too much even for NATO. And I don't see any uh, you know, grouping of, of, of NATO members operating outside the framework of NATO being able to assemble that kind of power in Russia has been holding back. You know, people keep saying, where's the Russian Air Force? I said, well, they're sitting there right there, you know, frothing at the mouth, waiting for NATO to do something stupid. Um, And then the Russian Air Force will come in in a big way and put the hammer down. Uh, So I, I, and and they know this, uh, you know, their military professionals know this. And that's why I just don't see them committing suicide. There'll be a lot of political pressure to do this, uh, which is why we have these uh, commandos operating in Ukraine because th- we, we need to get this equipment from our perspective to the Ukrainians so they can use it. Uh, the Russians have been very effective in shutting down these pipelines, uh, blowing things up as soon as they come across the border. So we have these troops in Ukraine trying to build a better rat line to get this material as uh, is, 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 far forward as possible without putting our guys unduly at risk. Uh, it's very dangerous. And it's very possible that we could end up losing a bunch of Americans um, or Brits. But that's what they do. That's what they do for a living. And um, but we're there. I mean, the, you know, the the fact is we have American eyes on target, um, you know, whether in, whether they're calling in Ukrainian firepower or, or or, you know, we're 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 sending pilots over to fly Ukrainian helicopters. Who knows? But, um, no, we're we're in this fight, not in a big way, but we're in this fight. Fantastic appearance. Scott Ritter, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Great information. Scott, where can people find your writing on this? I, I, I post everything at, at Real Scott Ritter on Twitter. There we go. Thanks so much, Scott Ritter. Coming up next hour, which means after this break, we're talking Sarah Palin. She's back. And prepare for everyone to freak out and lose their heads. People are going to, if people think, Trump repairing and Trump running again is going to make people's heads explode. Wait till you see Congressman Sarah Palin. We'll be back after this 
on the backstory. back for the second hour of the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. It is the Carmine Monday. We are joined by Carmine Sabia here on The Backstory. Thanks again to Scott Ritter for a fantastic appearance. Full of information. This hour, Tyler Nixon is joining us at the bottom of this hour to talk about we'll talk more about the Biden laptop. And I'll be talking to Scott, oops, I'll be talking to Carmine about Sarah Palin right after this. Carmine, say the name of the show, won't you? The Backstory. My voice is weak sometimes, so I'm afraid that I wouldn't be able to, the the thud would sound like a plink. It (laughs) just wouldn't sound right. That's what I'm worried about. You Listen, you sound a lot better than when I first talked to you in the hospital, man. No, I, I'm making steady improvement every day. And the stuff that I was talking to my speech therapist at the hospital about this, I have a different standard. What I don't like is I don't have the ability currently to make my voice do what I want it to do on cue. Does that make sense? Sure. You're a radio guy. I mean, right. Exactly. And so, you know, it's like if I was a pitcher and I said, I'm upset that I can only throw the ball 80 miles an hour and hit this six-inch square. That's Normal human beings can't do that. But for a pitcher, that's what they do. So now I made the point earlier, I stumbled to the point earlier, that the the media who loves to hate Trump, they think that Trump coming back is going to be a freak out. We're already seeing it. I, I noticed this on Twitter this weekend. Two Trump memes were trending on Twitter, which doesn't mean they were the most popular. It means they're promoted by Twitter. Correct. Does that make sense? But let me ask you a question, Lee. What happens if Elon Musk really gets control of this thing? He's the majority shareholder now. What happens if Elon Musk really gets control of this thing, brings Trump back? Trending is actually what's trending. The propaganda stops. Free speech returns. That can change everything in politics. Yeah, I agree. And let's see if they let him to do it. You know, the. That's one of the reasons they may you might not see it. You might see antitrust or something used to stop Elon Musk. But I think that the way to make the media really freak out was announced over the weekend. Sarah Palin announced she is running for Congress. Now, Sarah Palin is OG Trump. Oh, yes. What I mean by that, I think many people who I've been watching politics for a while. Sarah Palin, when Sarah Palin ran, that was the first time they saw the kind of onslaught 
that we would later see throughout the Trump administration. So first off, what do you think, Carmine, I'm Sarah Palin running? And two, why do you think the media is so freaked out by her? Why do you think they hate her guts so much? Well, it's pretty simple, Lee. Um, Sarah Palin is a woman, and they it's the same reason they attack a black Republican. If if people, if women, if black people, if Hispanics start saying, dang, we could be Republicans, you know, and, and the Republican Party's for everybody, and that's terrifying to the media. And Sarah Palin, I mean, the onslaught against her in the 2008 election was criminal, and nothing has really been written or said about that much, not much, that has gotten traction because the media controls the narrative. But they they despise her. They loathe her because she dares to be different. She dares to to be unapologetically Republican and unapologetically conservative. And so it's just like they did with Dan Quayle, of course. You're stupid. And, oh, you know, they did it with Bush. You're a rube. It's, it's a typical Republican. And, and the thing is, what people don't understand is the Democrats – the Democrats, they look down on you to the common people out there that are voting Democrat. They look down on you. These these high these media figures, these these politicians that are Democrats, they think they are geniuses and everybody else is stupid. And they look down on you and you can see it. You can hear it in their voice. You can hear it in their words. They're disdain for common people, whereas Republicans were like, yeah, we're part of you. You know, we're, we're, we're all the people, not that, not to say there's not BS Republicans too, cause there is, but you know, somebody like a Sarah Palin, you know, will get in there and be like, yeah, you know, I'm one of, I'm one of you guys, you know, and it makes her dangerous. The, the ones they attack are the ones that they can, they consider to be dangerous. Now, I think also Sarah Palin was Donald Trump 1.0 in the sense that they both arose on the same political movement. Let's remember the Tea Party. They're both populists. Right. And and that's how I would define Tea Party. Tea Party's Republicans were stopping playing nice. Up until that point, the thought was, if they attack us, well, let's be nice to them. You know, then maybe they won't hate us so much. Yeah, let's be, yeah. Oh, how, and how many decades, Lee, have we seen Republicans kiss the butt? Mitt Romney still does it. They wrecked him in 2012, and he still kisses their butt. Right. And and Palin is of the school, the Tea Party school, that my friend Andrew Reivert was part of. The Tea Party people who were w- w- willing to call BS out. Re- re- Republicans had, up to that point, not really taken on the media. They sort of danced around the edges of it. But right. they not said, look, the media is the enemy here, the lamestream media. And I think, and I'll tell you the other thing that's very dangerous to the establishment about Sarah Palin in 2022. She's come out in favor of Assange. And she did it in an interesting way. A couple of years ago, she did it in a very thoughtful way. She said, I was against Assange at first. 
She said that. And she said, but then she looked into it. I was also, by the way. Right. I, I think a lot of people were. And I, you see what I'm saying? Thoughtful. She's not just saying, I was born waving an Assange flag or something. Yeah. She said, I was against him. But then I thought about it. And now I'm in favor of him. Well, and you look into what he did and why he did it. And, and he was just being a journalist. Right. And that's what's dangerous about her. She's somebody who's willing to be. And people forget that Sarah Palin was a popular governor. When she was governor of Alaska, she was popular. Oh, yeah. They made her unpopular. They made her someone easy to hate. And they made her. They they also. The butt of Saturday Night Live jokes, for instance, the whole line, you see the line about Russia from your house, Sarah Palin. Right. She never said that. That was a Saturday Night Live joke. Tina Fey said it. Tina Fey said it. Right. And. Uh, but what do you think of Sarah? Palin? I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm I'm on Team Palin. I want to see what she says. So some people, some people, some prominent Republicans messaged me this weekend uh, and they asked me what I thought of her chances. I think they're very good. I think they're very good. I think, I think she can win. I think she probably will win. Especially she's, she's coming into a year that's going to be, I think we can all agree that the true atrocity will be the Democrats electoral results. Oh, yeah. In 2022. That's going to be brutal. This is going to be brutal, right? And I'm seeing nothing happening that's going to make it less brutal. The re releasing the strategic oil reserves. Going to do nothing. To maybe, yeah, right. Uh, it's not going to matter. It's going to be too little too late. But, and furthermore, do you agree that we, we touched upon this earlier with Scott Ritter? Do you agree that the Hunter Biden laptop story is not only not going anywhere? It's getting worse for them. But it's amping up. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's getting worse by day the, by day. Listen, listen. When CNN and the New York Times are reporting about it, here's what you need to know. That they know that something's about to happen that not even they can hide. So they're going to get out in front of it and pretend to be journalists. Okay, that's what's happening here. They're getting out in front of something because bombs are going to drop. They're going to show how corrupt to the core the Biden family is. And the question is, does Joe Biden just shove his son under the bus to take all the heat? Because this is the entire Biden family. These guys, you're not in politics for 40 years and you're not corrupt as hell. I'm sorry. Yeah. And a story came up today again. I think what's going to come up in the Biden laptop is stuff that should have come up in October yep. of last year. And, and you know who's going to get caught in this too? Twitter, Facebook, the media, CNN, New York Times. They're going to get caught in this. You guys buried this story. Bill Maher is even talking about it. You guys buried this story because you didn't like it because it didn't fit your narrative. I never in my life seen something like where Twitter and Facebook come out and say, well, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to crush any story that comes out about this. That to me, you want to talk about the story of election interference, my friend, that's the story of election interference. No, right. I, you know, I agree completely. 
And finally, people are starting to say it. And the story that I'm seeing rip here, this is not new news, but I've forgotten about it because there's so much. Remember the letter where Hunter Biden said to, I think, his sister-in-law, maybe. I forget who he said to. He said, at least I'm not going to do like Pop did and take half your salary. Yep. That was his sister, I believe. Yeah. Okay. But it, it's they're close families, so it's hard to jail sometimes. But uh, maybe it was his former sister-in-law he was dating. I know. It's hard to say. But that line, someone's going to have to investigate that. What did Hunter Biden mean? Let's go ask him. And Hunter Biden is facing a conviction. Here's the thing about Hunter Biden. I don't get the impression from what I've seen in the emails that he is not going to throw his father under the bus. But do you think the Justice Department really wants to find the truth? Well, no. no. But it doesn't make any difference because at some points, some things become so big that they have to bring them up. And when this gets to impeachment and we said the Democrats are going to lose the House, likely lose the Senate. But when the Democrats lose the House, when the Republicans are in charge of the House, I guarantee you, you're going to see impeachment. Do you, do you disagree, Carmine? Uh, no, I agree 100 percent. The Republicans are, are, are foaming, at, foaming at the mouth to, to impeach. OK, I, I've got a couple of things I want to get to, Carmine, because if I don't, we'll get to them. First, let's let's do Zelensky speaking on Fox News. Fox News, great conservative. They hate Russia. Rupert Murdoch is on the record. But let's hear what Zelensky said on Fox. I want to have have you clear something up for us. Uh, and this is these reports about the Azov Battalion that is said to be Nazi affiliated organization operating as a militia in your country, uh, said to be committing their own atrocities. What should Americans know about that unit, about those re- reports? So Azov was one of those many battalions. They are what they are. They were defending our country. And later, I want to explain to you. Everything uh, from uh, all the components of those volunteer battalions later uh, were um, incorporated into the the military of Ukraine. Those uh, Azov uh, fighters are no longer self-established uh, uh, group. They are a component of the Ukrainian military. Back in 2014, there were situations when our volunteers were uh, encircled and some of them did violate laws, uh, laws of Ukraine, and they actually were taken to court and got uh, prison sentences. So law is above all. So, Carmine, let me ask you a question. If someone said, Lee, what about reports that Carmine's a Nazi? And I said, well, Carmine is what he is. Yeah. Would you consider that a good defense? No, uh, I was actually shocked to hear that. I thought he'd lie. And, and and he's saying he brought them into the Ukraine military. That's worse. 
Right. Yes. And that was going to go on to that. Then they said, you know, it's Nazi, but he's not an independent person. He's brought into the military. What? But I think I will say this. Fox News viewers are not Fox News. No. Fox News viewers, they heard the same thing you and I heard. Right? I mean, it, it, it was a horrible defense. If he was my attorney, I'd fire him. Um, I wonder how long it's going to be, Lee. I was thinking about this during that clip. How long it's going to be? Because right before this war, you could Google Azov Battalion, and it told you exactly what they were. I wonder how long until Google, Wikipedia, all these places scrub that information. Well, what they do is it's not so much scrubbing the information. It's burying it. That's what I mean. What they do is yeah. What what they do is when you type in Azov Battalion Nazi, they'll promote stories that say fact checks and Russian disinformation. Right, Russian disinformation says that Azov Battalion is Nazis. They'll bury it under denials. You know what I mean? That's the way they do. And so I'm seeing that already because I know what used to be there yes. when you Google it. I'm seeing it now. But uh, again, it's just a horrible defense. And admitting that they're Nazis, right? Is that what I you heard? You heard? But, but, some, but, but some of them were taken to court. But the other Nazis are in our military now. We've incorporated them. But they are what they are. There we go. That's a good defense. <laughs> Next clip. We have now discovered this is a big deal. Sean, this is probably the biggest abridgment of the First Amendment in the history of this country. My lawyer, Paul Kelly, and I argue in court yesterday that this was an act of violence against the First Amendment. This is about Ashley Biden's diary. I thought we didn't corroborate it that was hers. It turns out we're better journalists than we thought we were because the feds and the New York Times have now verified that this actually was Ashley Biden's diary that a tipster sent us. First, they raided our homes and took our equipment, our reporters' notebooks. And then, now it turns out, I found out this week, that they were spying on us. The Department of Justice was spying on journalists and Project Veritas going back eight months before we even knew anything about this diary and spying on us and getting secret gag orders against Microsoft from telling us that it took all of our emails. Sean, this is insane. This should shock everyone because they could do it to you. So that was obviously James O'Keefe talking about the government surveillance of, uh, I don't know how else to put it, Government surveillance of Project Veritas. And now, how shocking is this, Carmine? <laughs> I'd be shocked if they didn't. Wait, you think we're not on lists, you and I? Yeah, come on. Well, I talked about, I haven't talked about it much on the show, but I was visited by the FBI last week. Yep. I told you about it. Yep. Uh, Michael McFall, former ambassador to Russia, was going to be speaking at local university. So a few weeks ago, before I went in the hospital, I had contacted the university because I thought they might, being a university, want to have uh, a lively, you know, I thought if they were going to McFall, let's have somebody with a different point of view. 
because I thought that's what universities did. Silly. And uh, apparently, so I've been told. <laughs> and the FBI, the FBI showed up at my door. And uh, when the F have you ever had the FBI show up at your door, Carmine? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, no, no, I have not. It's everyone thinks they know what they do. Does that make sense? Yes. Like you think you know what you'll do if the FBI shows up. But when the FBI shows up and the guy wasn't rude, he seemed nice enough. And I understand that's maybe what General Flynn said. But everyone thinks they'll say, no, I'm going to go away. I'm not going to talk to you. But I'll tell you, when the FBI shows up and you know you haven't done anything wrong, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but they, you got to be careful because they, they try to trap you into a story and they try to work on that story. I mean, that's their job. Although I understand the temptation. You don't know what you're going to do until, they, until you're actually faced with it. You don't. Right, because at that point, I, I, I felt like I don't want to seem like I was hiding something because I'm not. I called the university and said, hey, if you want a speaker on with McFall, if you want to do a program as part of that, I'm available to speak. And I pointed out that I work for Russia. I work for Sputnik and that that I, I acknowledge expert. On Ukraine, I'm in the Oliver Stone produced film revealing Ukraine. And I said all that. And the guy showed up, sat down at my kitchen table. We had a, a nice talk. I say, and I'm saying that now that we had a nice talk because no one's come and beat down my door and arrested me. So, as far as I know, so far, I, so far, right. But uh, McFall and his speech, General McFall said, it was in the paper, he came, I, I didn't speak. I didn't even go. But McFall came out and told his audience that he was sure Ukraine was going to win this war. I'll say that that's, again. That's... McFall told the audience he was sure that Ukraine was going to win this war. Even Ned Price is admitting, as Scott Ritter pointed out, that Russia has won this war. What did I say a few weeks ago, Lee? I said everybody's propping up this media fairy tale that Ukraine is going to win this war. Ukraine cannot win this war. It's not even possible. This is uh, – come on, man. This is Mike Tyson fighting the guy in the third row. This, Come on. Ukraine has no chance. The only, the only chance Ukraine had is because Russia – was not just carpet bombing the place. Well, let me point out that Ukraine, the reason McFall said Ukraine would win this war is their will to fight. Now, let me ask you, if that guy in the third row musters up all his willpower, if he wishes really hard, could he beat Mike Tyson? No. No, it's silly. It's a fairy tale. It's it's a Rocky Balboa fairy tale given to the to the people who love that type of fairy tale and they want to believe but anybody with half a brain watching this knew it was, it was nonsense. I will say it's beyond Rocky Balboa fairy tale that it would be his brother-in-law, Burt Young winning <laughs> against <laughs> Apollo Creed. 
And that was never going to happen. You know, that big fat of a goo. I'm not not judging Berg Young, but still, he was never going to win, right? Never. No, not Berg Young. Rocky, Rocky at least works out. 202-521-1320. Ingrid, what is on your mind? Uh, I've had the FBI show up on my front porch, and they were like a man and a woman young in their 20s and really handsome and immaculately dressed in their black suits. And they knew they had found a real dingbat because the first thing out of my mouth was, wow, just like on TV. And uh, they asked me not to do something. And I said I had no plans of doing it. And then a week later, I started to do it. And they called me up. The woman called me up and I said, well, that was a week ago and things have changed. And now I'm going to do it. And that was pretty much the end of it. I never heard from them again. I wonder what it was. What what was? What you did? The thing. Oh, I I uh, I went to visit somebody in a prison in a foreign country. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I have gotten the I have gotten the I don't know if it was I don't know what the FBI or who it was is kind of mysterious. I've told you about this and I've gotten it more than once. I've gotten the don't report on that phone call or don't say that phone call or you know I've gotten that. But from the FBI. I don't know who was wrong. You know, it's, I'd rather not talk about it on the air, but I've gotten the call to not talk about something. So I know what she's talking about. So don't do that. Yeah. They, I will, my FBI agents did not ask me not to do anything. They just basically said what happened. And I told them, uh, and a friend of mine asked me, he said, because, see, I didn't even talk to anyone at the college. I left a message. And a friend of mine asked me, it was a recorded message, or did you leave it with secretary? And I re- left a recorded message. He said, that was good. And it was an accident. If it was good, it wasn't anything I did on purpose. But I thought about it. The fact that there's a recorded message and that we're, we're not the possibility of it, he said, she said. Like if it was a secretary, they could have said, well, Lee said this, and it can be nothing I said. But it's on record, at least, where's the message? If it comes up, we, this is a record of what I said. So I was accidentally smart, <laughs> which... We'll see. But coming up next, Tyler Nixon. We'll be talking more about the Biden laptop from somebody who grew up down the street from the Bidens. Tyler Nixon, after this break on Backstory. back 105.5 fm am 1390 joined now by our friend and guest tyler nixon we always love having tyler on hey tyler how you doing hey lee good to be with you as always 
Well, so some of your old neighbors may be facing prison time. They may not know it yet, but do you agree with me that this is going to a prosecution and an impeachment for certain people named Biden? It should, and it must, uh, and then certainly the prosecution, uh, well, you know, look, everybody's innocent until proven guilty, and that applies even to crooked, corrupt, uh, you know, communist, uh, sympathizing, collaborating Democrats like uh, Hunt, my old, my old buddy, Hunt Biden, and his father. And frankly, um, I don't think they'll get to the corruption because I think the, the, the 25th Amendment, uh, because Biden is, let's face it, really just, I mean, it, it's disturbing how, uh, how uh, mentally unfit he is and how, how he, I mean, I'm, I've known him for, you know, I think the first time I met him was 1984. Well, saw him in church, you know, before that, but actually uh, heard him speak and met him in 1984, March 1984. And, uh, you know, he was, he was, he was a big, a BSer, let's just say. I mean, he was real, he could, you know, a sort of slick talker. Um, and he was full of it as far as, you know, he, he just, he could spin it out, but, uh, and wasn't wasn't in my view super intelligent, but he was at least sort of sharp. You know, if you heard his speeches back then, and even up till maybe ten years ago, I mean, he his mind was there. I didn't think his I didn't think it operated with much intelligence, but he could spin out the uh, spin out the malarkey and spin out the make himself sound important. And certainly his his thoughts were formed. Now it's just I mean, he's a blathering mess. He's he's like a shell of what he was, um, and it's it's really pathetic. And my God. Paris, good Lord, she's almost worse than he is. I mean, I don't know what, like uh, this woman uh, being put into the spotlight as she has, has really exposed how just, I mean, just sort of completely vacuous lightweight she is. I mean, I, I just, you know, I remember her during the uh, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings um, and I guess I don't know Gorsuch so much, but she, you know, she, she, she was scripted in that setting. You know, she sounded like she could be someone and you think, Oh my gosh, well, she was the attorney general of California. How dumb could she be? <laughs> well, I mean, this, this recent, um, these recent, uh, instances where she stands up and it's just complete gobble. I mean, it's incoherent and you're dealing with two people. So I don't know. I mean, I think you could see Biden knocked out for corruption. Um, if not the 25th amendment. And I don't know that the Democrats would want her. I mean, they may just make it like a package deal, um, assuming they even get that far, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's such a mess right now. And Hunter Biden, um, the, if the prosecutors in Delaware, I can tell you right now, they are not going to give any, there's no, this is too high profile. Uh, these guys know that there's a career for them beyond Biden and that they, and the prosecution in Delaware owe nothing to Joe Biden. And they're certainly not. I mean, they would rather bag a high profile target like that who deserves it and righteously. And they certainly have enough material to work with than to think that there's going to be some sort of, uh, you know, protectionism from him, especially because it's uh, back home in Delaware. No, he will. If they find it sufficient, particularly, I think you're going to look at money laundering and tax evasion or tax, uh, you know, uh, basically tax issues, you know, non-payment, whatever have you. That's where they're going to nail him, and uh, God knows where it could go from there because it's going to go right back to his father. I've never seen a president get nailed, though. You think a president's going to actually get nailed here? Uh, well, uh, you know, here's the thing. I wouldn't think so. I would think, you know, we saw Bill Clinton skate past a lot of uh, uh, certainly civil suits and, uh, you know, should have been criminal. But here's the thing. Um, we're dealing with a president who 
they have a lot of righteous, you know, almost overwhelming, I think, criminality coming directly from his son's own laptop. And I don't think there's there's a political will to keep him there. You know, in other words, there's there's uh, if if Biden were, um, you know, were, were a uh, you know everything was going well. Let's just say, I mean, maybe they they feel like he is going along with the plan. But I mean, he's an embarrassment. I don't think I think they recognize that too. You see the media starting to turn on him. You see, uh, you know, for example, Chuck Todd on a on a you know typically on a Sunday meet the press would not be going over the polls indicating how the Democrats are going to be destroyed in November. Um, you would not have CNN finally admitting and, and these uh, institutions finally admitting the truth that they covered up for the last two years uh, grotesquely, you know, of the of the uh, Hunter, the authenticity of the Hunter Biden laptop, that it's not Russian disinformation. So, you know, you're seeing a movement towards this guy's an embarrassment. Everything's going wrong. And I just you know, I think it's very possible he could be uh, after November, come say uh, January impeached and actually removed for the first time in history, have a president actually removed because he's just that far gone. They might say, look, you know, whether it's this, the 25th Amendment, he needs to go. And I think he's likely to step down before he's impeached. I think that they're they're setting this up to show Biden what they have on him. Wait, I got to ask a question here of both of you guys. And maybe I'm a cynic. Maybe maybe it's me. But after all the politicians we've seen skate in our lifetimes, you think the old senile guys are going to be the ones? But who who is who skate skated on what? Like Bill, Bill Clinton for starters. No, no, but on what? What did he do? This is the implication of everything with the Biden laptop is that Joe Biden was taking bribes. He was receiving money. And influencing policy. He was committing treason. Right. Right. I don't disagree. I just, you guys think they're going to let him get him? He's a senile old guy, but I would say his crimes are worse than any president uh, has ever been accused. I'm with you, bro. We're on the same page. I'm with you guys. I think super guilty, super corrupt, should be impeached. I just, I'm so cynical about this. I, I don't believe they're going to allow it to happen. Yeah, I know. I, I believe me, I'm with you in the sense that institutionally, uh, historically, the odds are extremely high against it. And I think I think Lee just put his finger on it that before it ever got to that, he would resign or be removed for for, uh, you know, for 25th Amendment reasons. They they will not let it go to the exposure of that level of corruption of a president. And But I think they're going to have to do to some extent because I've never seen. Literally, where there's written proof from the son of the candidate saying, Pop got half your money. And since we know that the reason Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma was because of the influence he may have with his father, I think the question becomes what policies were influenced? No one's really asked that. Name the law or or regulation that China, for instance, got through. Name the regulation that he got through. And there's an answer to that question. No one has investigated it, really. And I, I just have never seen anything this blatant 
And possibly when people are asking, for instance, why are we being pulled into this war when you know we, we aren't stopping people at the border? 500,000 at the border. Why is the focus on Ukraine? If the answer is there's a bribe, the focus was on Ukraine because of a bribe. I, I don't know what else to say. That's beyond anything anyone ever accused any other president of. Do you agree, uh, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, even without the implications or the, the obvious uh, evidence that's coming out or has come out and has been out for a while, but they're not finally acknowledging in the mainstream propaganda media, uh, even without that, what Biden has done with regard to uh, foreign policy with you know, Ukraine, with border, China, with uh, Russia and, and the provocations and the energy policy, the you know, almost desire to collapse the dollar and collapse our economy. That I mean, this without any of these and any of the background criminality would be like this. Wh- wh- who is this guy working for? I mean, I think anybody could question that before you even get to the fact of the who knows how many tens of millions, if not you know, close to upwards of billions of dollars. I mean, in, in the case of uh, I think Hunter Biden has, has an interest in one Chinese uh, uh, concern where he has a 20 percent stake that I think they say could be worth over a billion dollars. Um, and, you know, this is just uh, and add that to it. Uh, it's just it's it's mind boggling. I mean, you know, it's it, these guys were pikers back in Delaware when he was just a senator. Nobody would nobody would he, he didn't have any juice and he wasn't taken seriously enough to, to be bribed because nobody cared. Um, in this case, though, as soon as he became vice president, uh, you know, they just started, they just went right to work uh, using every possible lever of power to extract as much as they could with his, you know, his Ukraine portfolio, his China portfolio. And like said, I mean, this is where they're turning a blind eye to China and and to the uh, aggression against our country in so many different ways, economically and otherwise, uh, at the same time as they're provoking this, this uh, conflict or, you know, trying, trying to basically poke uh, Putin in the eye uh, and and have this war, which, uh, you know, serves many master or serves many agendas, agendas, let's just say, uh, in, to include attempting to distract from the uh, the absolutely destructive policies of the Biden administration, particularly with regard to energy. Uh, you know, I mean, it, to, for him to stand there and say, yes, you know, since Putin invaded, you know, food prices have gone up and there's been shortage and gas prices have gone. I mean, this is just the biggest lie. I mean, it's, it's just incredible that, that nobody nobody believes this. These people are living in an alternate reality that they think just because they stand up there and say it, that it somehow is the, is the reality that this somehow will come to pass or is the truth. And it's just not the case. Um, I mean, whatever, whatever have you uh, concerning the criminality of the Bidens, how far that's going to go, whether Hunter Biden's going to be indicted in Delaware. Um, I, I see a wave building for this November, uh, assuming that we can have anything resembling fair and transparent elections. And I do not think the Democrats have the ability to get away with the fraud, the wide-scale, highly organized fraud that they did in 2020 to steal the election. Uh, so I, I just think you're going to see the Democrats blown out on, a, on a proportions that are beyond epic, uh, that are almost generational, that that almost can't will not be able to be reversed for almost a generation. And, you know, 
couldn't happen to a more deserving bunch. No, I agree. And uh, I think one thing is interesting. I saw a story, Rob sent me a story this morning, that there's new evidence that's peer-reviewed about election fraud. Have you seen this? I did, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, that is the final narrative that, that's got to fall because the COVID-19 narrative fell apart quickly, Russiagate fell apart slowly. But if it comes out that there's actual evidence of voter fraud and is a peer-reviewed study, I think that will add to already people don't trust the election. But when it comes out, that's not only provable fraud, but that they were censoring and shutting down any discussion of provable fraud. Let, let, let's be serious. You knew there was fraud when they said free and fair election, free and fair election, free and fair election, free and fair election. You're treasonous if you think it wasn't a free and fair election. Did I mention it was a free and fair election? By the way, it's a free and fair election. That's how you know it's fraud. Why do you got to say it 8,000 times? And why do you have to stop people? You know, you can't ask a question. You're treason. Take them off Twitter. Take them off Facebook. Come on. No, no, I'm not hiding nothing, though. I'm not hiding nothing. Come on. Just like the, it's just like the Hunter Biden laptop. Wherever they pile on with the same narrative and it's all the same uh, nefarious characters that, you know, that rush in and accuse you of, of being a, you know, a traitor if you dare question or there's, you know, it's Russian disinformation, or in the in the case of the uh, the election fraud, it's just you know, oh, this is Donald Trump's conspiracy. There's, you know, the more strenuous and uh, unanimous they are in the propaganda, uh, you know, Democrat fascist machine, uh, the more you know that you're dealing with what whatever whatever your uh, you know accusation is, or whatever you think the truth is, is the truth. I mean, these people are they're so transparent anymore. The way they the way they organize their um, their cover-ups, their sort of, uh, it's just like January 6th, same thing as well. And yet another sort of, uh, you know, pass out the talking points. This is where we're going to hammer, hammer, hammer. Um, and when they're, when they're unanimous, when they're absolutely over-exercised over some particular issue in, uh, you know, getting high dudgeon about it, uh, you know, calling the conspiracy theory term comes out. Like I said, you know that that's, that you're onto the truth. And I'll tell you what, if you go, uh, it was um, published, it's actually, you can find it on InfoWars. On InfoWars was a Wisconsin hearing, a Senate, a, an actual legislative hearing in which uh, the, the first guy testified and they did like these highly sophisticated computer analysis of the actual phones that were tracked and recorded around the absentee ballot drop boxes in Wisconsin and certain, I forget exactly where I, I was paying attention, but I mean, they literally cross-reference these with, for example, the international database of devices that are showing up at different, um, what they would consider not terrorist events, but like disruptive you know, riots and things like that. And they were able to show visitations, number of visitations of single devices uh, to drop boxes around you know, uh, major cities. And there were like multiple, often dozens of instances of a single phone visiting a drop box uh, over and over in a circuit. And that one out of, I think, 12 of these were linked also to riots or, you know, violent events that had occurred. I mean, this is just, and, that, and that's just, you know, that's one inference there. Then you've got, I mean, there's so much evidence. If you look at the Maricopa report that came out, meticulously done, you know, people are saying, oh, well, if, if it comes out, if the evidence comes out, the evidence is out and it's there. It's just been suppressed and ignored 
um, by the propaganda media that refuses to admit there's even a scintilla of fraud. You know, and I think the Biden laptop deal dropped. I, I don't think they'll ever come off uh, the election fraud deal because that's the whole ball of wax right there. And that, you know, would basically be admitting that Donald Trump had the presidency stolen from him. So if we were to report it, my, if, my, if my company were to report it, if I were to report it, we're going to get removed from Facebook. We're going to have be demonetized by Google ads. The story is going to disappear from the Internet anyway, and we've reported it now for nothing because we got shut down on it. They're stopping the evidence. You can't – in other words, you can't report it. It's not, the, the big brother is stopping this information from being published. Yeah. On the major platforms, for sure. I mean, thank God we now have like Rumble. We now have, uh, you know, there's BitChute. There's uh, we're independent. They shut it down. Believe me. You have to rely on grassroots proselytizing, sending people links, sending them the information you can. Um, I, you know, at this point, it's not. I mean, really, uh, Mike Lindell, God bless him. I think, um, you know, I think the idea that whoever's told, you know, they they say decertify the election. You know, Trump should be restored. I think that's a nice notion. It's not going to happen, obviously, but what they've been talking about and what they've been pushing and in, in the, frankly, very astute and very thoughtful people who are involved in this voter integrity sort of movement that's grown up around uh, chasing down election fraud in these states is a push for reform. And in Colorado here, for example, we have this Jenna Griswold, and they're doing quite the opposite. They're trying to consolidate the power into the, into the secretary of state and her office. You can't even speak out that it could be essentially criminal to challenge the election publicly. And, you know, it's, they're, they're going the opposite direction, but I think there is definitely a push in the grassroots and there's a lot of, um, uh, let's just say sympathetic precincts, sympathetic, uh, smaller grassroots level, uh, regions, whatever you want to have you sub sub, uh, uh, jurisdictions that are willing to begin to look at, um, getting rid of this black box voting, getting rid of these dominion machines, uh, getting, you know, and exposing the fact that they have lied repeatedly when they say they're not hooked up to the internet or they can't be hooked up to the internet, which is totally false. It's, I mean, it's just provably and demonstrably uh, false. And so, you know, and that right there, I mean, that, that tells you everything you need to know about, about where they're coming from and particularly Dominion, these corrupt black box voting organizations. But the push is on to try to go back to paper balloting, uh, and to at least have certain safeguards as, as much as possible in place. And it, it sounds bizarre to think we'd reverse and go back from electronic to having more localized voting with actually having ballots that are like registered numbered ballots, not just paper flying around that has the, you know, that is a ballot, but actually like almost like currency. Each one has its very specific track. And, and I don't see why they wouldn't do that um, in the first place. And that you would have, you know, uh, the voters would be able to verify uh, you know, that their vote was cast and counted as it was, as they, as they wanted it to be. Um, and they, and they presented, I saw one presentation of a very, very foolproof system that's been worked out by many, many, many people around the country, um, that, you know, might, might be perceived as cumbersome in some sense, um, because it's again, paper ballots, but it verifies your identity. It verifies again, the fact that you, uh, are eligible to vote, uh, the fact that, you know, what your vote was cast, you know, and without revealing any anonymity, you're able to sort of cross check it by, you know, control numbers and things like that. Uh, if we can get start getting that implemented um, and get rid of these, these corrupt, I mean, my God, like you just think about it. I mean, this goes back to 2004 with Dick Cheney and uh, didn't the Cheney family have Diebold, you know, these black box voting uh, companies. 
you know, I've questioned it for years, uh, frankly. It just seemed like, why is California, no matter how bad the Democrats have been, no matter how autocratic and oppressive they've been, they always win. And I think, okay, there's a certain demographic, obviously, there. But I mean, I'm sorry for the fact that that never, ever changes, even in the worst, uh, you, you know, even no matter how demographically stacked it is against you, people will eventually turn against a corrupt system as corrupted as it is in California. And yet it never changes. And I, I think there's something going on there. And I think there's been a lot of corruption uh, and a lot of vote fraud, electronic vote fraud, like literally tabulation fraud that's gone on across the country probably for the last 20 years that would blow people away if they knew the full, full extent of it. And this is why I brought up Sarah Palin before, because I think Sarah Palin potentially, we'll see, she doesn't come out with, she's barely, she just announced. So Sarah Palin has nothing to lose. Let me point that out. She's become more red-pilled. Her support for Assange shows that she's more red-pilled on a principled issue. And I think Sarah Palin has nothing to lose in that. She's already hated. She knows the media is not going to be fair to her. So she has the luxury of being honest. She's not trying to make any friends at all. And I think if Trump, I think the other thing she can do is she will give cover to Trump. Sarah Palin running will absorb some of the hatred towards Trump from the media. They can only focus on so many people at once. And she potentially could come out bolder and stronger than she has been. And I think that when she announced late in the game, because it is kind of late to announce running for Congress, and she said she's doing it for, because she's concerned about the state of the country, I think she could really be a spoiler even on a national level. Kurt, Tyler, what do you think of Sarah Palin running? I, I think she has evolved even more to, uh, to, be, to the patriot side. You know, I mean, she was already sort of kind of bucking them. I mean, she was at odds almost with her own, you know, running mate McCain and uh, when she ran with him. And I think she's everything I've seen her speak about is common sense is on the right side of the equation is spot on is, is people oriented is justice oriented is, uh, you know, uh, anti-corruption, uh, nothing I've seen. And she's, and she's very articulate, you know, and she's got a very down home still way about her, but even almost more evolved in, into a wisdom. Uh, is that a, is that a single at large seat in Alaska or do they have two seats up there now? I, I think they have two seats. I'm not sure. I'm not hundred percent sure. I, I was, I was thrilled when I saw that she's announced, I think she would be outstanding. She'll be a great voice and a great leader in the Congress. Uh, and in addition to many others, I mean, we've got a lot of talent on our side, on the Republican side of the equation. If we could just push, uh, frankly, uh, you know, turtle boy McConnell, and frankly, uh, I'm not a big fan of Kevin McCarthy either out of the way and get some real leadership going. I mean, I think this, if after November, you could see the change that people have been waiting for for decades that never had seemed to happen that we saw a glimmer of when uh, back in 94, 95, when Newt came in and, you know, really was ambitious and tried, and I was right there working for him, tried the contract with America. And, you know, unfortunately the, the whole, the whole establishment uh, just was lined up against him and destroyed him. I mean, he was gone within three years, uh, you know, with Tom DeLay 
taking over, you know, in the, in the bushies and whatever. But I think in this case, you have such, um, you're, you're going to see real changes because, and, and what I hope I didn't want to see have to happen. The Democrats have to be prosecuted for, for the, the, the corruption and the abuses of power that they've committed. We cannot let this stand. The, the, the gulagging of American patriots, the absolutely human rights abuses that have gone on in DC. I mean, there ought to be frankly tribunals, uh, to, to like war crimes tribunals against these, uh, these fascist monsters that have destroyed lives and have held people like as they have without bail. And these judges in DC, I mean, there's going to have to be a serious reckoning and we don't have time for Kevin McCarthy to think, Oh, la di da let's, you know, look, like business as usual. Let's cut a loaf, you know, for the, for the corporate Republicans and the country club Republicans screw that Patriots need to realign the, we need to bring the constitution back and the Democrats need to be held to account. And Ricky Terrio's been in a cell for three weeks now. He's still under custody because he's been indicted in his conspiracy for January. He didn't even go, he wasn't near the building. He was legally held in the building, but Enrique is still in jail. They they arrested him to try to keep, supposedly keep him out, you know, to interdict him before he even got that far. And now they're prosecuting him for it. I mean, talk about getting, getting you coming and going. Yeah. Tyler, great appearance. Firebrand Tyler Nixon, always a pleasure having you on. Carmine, great appearance by you. Great co-hosting. Brother, brother. We'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. It's the backstory. story.